Tweaking Geek number 41, coming to you live from the flying city of Columbia. Wow. For <laughs> wow, you just dug way back. That's ironic. I just played that game like two months ago. I, I know. I, I did. I just played that game like two weeks ago. The game is Bioshock Infinite. If anyone doesn't get that joke, it's a great game. Go play it. it, it if you, if you, yeah, if you don't understand it, you should turn off the podcast and go play it, and then come back because th- there is a link between where we're coming from and what we're talking about. There, there is a good link. It's also a good game. It's not very long either. It's great. And the 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 link is that they both have to do with computers. <laughs> uh, that's sort of the link. We'll get to the <laughs> link in a minute. Hey, so. We're really bad at recording because we said we were coming back, but that was in September, and then we pretty much haven't. So I think we need to get better at that. We should get better at that. Okay. So we we need to we will enhance our skills at recording. Sounds good. Uh, and one other thing, I think we're going to change up about the show. Uh, so we've entered this phase with the, like the battle cry of like fake news, fake news. So uh, lame news of the week sounded too much like fake news. So. I think we're just gonna we're gonna kill it. We can be funny without digging up news links. I think that sounds good to me. Yeah. Yes, because that means I have to do less work to prepare. That's a good deal. You know, yeah, being like techie engineer nerds, like we just assume that things like objective truth exist, and so fake news is just a really weird thing for us to deal with. Yeah, and all news is fake. All right. So, so from from now on, we will just say that tweaking geek. Are, we are fake news. That's pretty much why. That's pretty accurate. You know, and uh, so I have to say one thing that is kind of a trope that uh, is in the blogging world is those blogs where if you've ever read something, you're like, well, there's a couple of good entries, but then it's like a, a number of the entries are each entry is apologizing, basically begins with an apology for not having posted for a long time. I know it's been four months since I posted or whatever. So we're kind of like that now. I think we've like that, that puts us in like a category of, of blogs. I disagree. Or, I, uh, I, I refuse to apologize. I just haven't gotten around to it. Oh, well, I apologize for everything. I am sorry for Pat's lack of apologeticness. So what are we going to talk about this time? Today, we're going to talk about the fact that cloud computing does not exist. Oh, well, that's not true. We're going to talk about the fact that we're, we're going to talk about cloud computing and why cloud computing is non-existent because in the way that people think about it i guess is what i mean so we're gonna blow all of your misconceptions out of the water and it will literally change your life except it won't but it'll be it'll be interesting yeah hopefully okay so i'm gonna start us off with this cartoon and this is like the where i always start talking about cloud and for anyone who's not going to bother reading the show notes although i will link it in the show notes this little cartoon that says there is no cloud, it's just somebody else's computer. And that's really funny and everyone chuckles, um, but I get the feeling that's not totally accurate. So what is the cloud? Like, start us off there, and why is this cartoon wrong? Well, so what the cloud is, uh, when we say cloud, we'll say cloud with a capital C. What people generally talk about or mean when they talk about the cloud is uh, certain providers, uh, certain like technology providers such as Amazon, Microsoft, so forth, they have put together large data centers with a bunch of computing capacity and different services that 
you can access from remote locations. So, or that you can, and, or where you can uh, offload your on-premises, uh, your on-premises uh, computing to a data center. So you're not actually maintaining physical hardware and that sort of thing. Okay. That's what, just just yeah. before you go into it, uh, yep. two things there I kind of want to hit. One is I don't think we're actually going to be like comparing, contrasting, promoting any particular cloud provider, right? We're just generally talking about the topic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And well, we're, because we're not, we're not, unless they want to sponsor us, then we'll promote them. Right. So, hey, uh, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, whoever else is a big cloud provider, if you want to promote us, just you know, give us a call. We will totally be open. Well, all three of you can promote us. We're great with that. Uh, but number two, and you talked about on-premises, which certainly like once upon a time, there was a model of if you were providing, you know, say a web page, you hosted your own uh, server somewhere. Uh, and then there was also co-location, which was pretty popular. And that's where you hosted a server, but it wasn't in your facility. It was in someone else's office, right? Yes. And cloud is now another thing. So it's not co-location and it's not on-premises. Yeah. And so the cloud in, uh, the way that we think about the cloud has actually been around for quite a while. So it used to be, for instance, if you had a server you and you could co-locate or, or and you, you could co-locate or have it be at something like Rackspace. And Rackspace has been around a long time. And, and what it was was it was basically uh, you rent space in a data center. And that was fine. And it worked for people. And so rather than you going and rebooting a, a server in Iraq or having to do that sort of thing. And I mean in a rack, not the country, a uh, server room rack, not the country. Uh, what you would do is call them to do it for you. So basically you had your IT infrastructure be somewhere else. So you because most companies, so, all right, here's a little quiz for you, Pat. True or false, most companies are in the IT hosting or IT infrastructure hosting business rather than what they're actually trying to be doing yeah i'm not sure how to answer that three true uh, so, so true right most, yeah, well, most companies no. end up stuck there right right well so the true the answer should be false as a company or a person or whatever you should be let's say say you're a company that does mapping you know what you should be spending your time doing probably mapping no, managing servers in a data center and updating and patching software and and configuring routers and blah blah, blah. no yeah, not really sounds awful. Yeah. You should be mapping. If you're in, uh, if you're in the banking software or banking business, what should you be doing? Banking. So that's like part of it is that like it costs a lot to have people who can do this stuff for you, and uh, and a, a reason to not actually just have a whole bunch of stuff in your office there is. The, the reasons are numerous because you might have if your office burns down, you have to have this co-location so that you have everything replicated somewhere so you're paying twice as much and people who can do things like configure your network whatever they cost a lot to employ and really to get stuff set up is important but then the the actual sort of maintenance of it isn't as you don't really need the the heavy hitters to be able to do that sort of thing so it ends up being like sort of a personnel nightmare and and as a result, people who choose to have all their stuff on site, what they end up doing is having sort of the they don't have like the really 
uh, high-powered people, so they let their infrastructure kind of decay, and you run into that sort of thing. So now, enter the cloud. So you have these companies who will kind of do all that for you, and you're always on the latest and greatest stuff. Your your security is taken care of. You don't have to do complex networking, and then you can focus on your business. So are we saying that one aspect of the identity of cloud is this kind of commodification of infrastructure? Yes, it, it, that's exactly it. So the way that people generally go to the cloud uh, is they might say, okay, there it's it, it's like um, it's like drug use. You know how they're like, here, have some cocaine. It's free. And then it's like, oh, that's really good. But now you have to like start paying for it. So that, I think that's uh, maybe that's not what it's like. But that would be cool if that's what it was like. <laughs> the, cl- the cloud is like cocaine. Okay. And thank you for listening to our show. Goodbye. <laughs> No. So what what happens is that they start, there's like sort of a transition plan. So the cloud, what a lot of people think of is virtual machines in a remote data center. So I might have my, let's say I have my CRM server. CRM is like a type of business software, you know, customer relations management. So let's say rather than have it on a server at my office, I turn my server into a virtual machine and host it at one of the cloud providers. And now it's there. I don't have to deal with the hardware and I'm paying. And if I, I don't have to like buy a new server to add memory, you know, that sort of stuff. So all of a sudden I've got my, my uh, server moved and it's like, yay, I'm in the cloud. Okay. That's, and your, that's step- yeah. So your drug analogy was more that a lot of these providers kind of let you have a, have a free sample, like a really low powered, yeah, server yeah. just to try it out and make sure that you can use their services for what you want to do. That wasn't actually what I was going for, but that's what I should have been going for because that is the right. Analogy. We are just going to revise history here and say that's what you were going for. Yeah, I was. I was trying to think. I was trying to think of it was actually so the it, it's the uh, it's easy to move virtual machines to the cloud. All you you basically at, at its simplest, you move it there, do a little tiny bit of networking, move a DNS entry, and you're done. And most That's people sort of are like using Docker for that, probably, for the nerdier listeners? Uh, no, not really. Uh, like mo- most of the cloud providers, uh, they you can actually move a cloud image, uh, like, uh, of, like what they call like a VHD, for instance, on Windows, where you can just you take an image of your machine. There's software that will create a virtual machine image. You upload it, and then it starts running on their hardware. Okay, so it's... So it should be easy and low friction for people even who aren't experts at, you know, how to set things up in cloud. Yeah, and believe me, they make it easy for you because then they can charge you by the month or by the minute. Actually, it's usually by the minute or by the hour that they charge you. So that's part. So step one is getting your virtual machines up there. So in uh, very likely most people who are listening to this who work for any sort of company probably already they probably actually already interact with uh cloud server and probably don't even know about it. So then that's part one. The next step is the cloud, what the real power of the cloud is to make it so that you don't even have to think about servers anymore. So in in quantum physics, 
<laughs> everything, you know, we think about atoms as like being protons and neutrons, but then it's really, they have smaller components of that. So what you, so the, an atom would be like, you, you know, you're like, you still have to deal with protons and neutrons and electrons. That's like a virtual machine, but now we're going to get down to the quark level so that you can really, you don't have to actually move your entire you know, things. So you have to, your servers, so you have to do updates or whatever. You can get a much granular level. I just want to move an application to the cloud. I don't want to even deal with like what's, what kind of operating system is it on or anything like that. I want to get it so that I can just say, you know, I have a website. I just want the website to be in the cloud and I just want to know that it's going to be fast and that it's going to, that I can point to it. That's it. I don't even care about RAM or CPU or anything like that. That's like where we get the real thing with the cloud. The real advantage of the cloud is that they manage everything. So the first one, the first thing we thing we talked about was called infrastructure as a service, which is basically you, they provide you uh, an operating, you know, they, they provide metal to run your stuff on. Now we're going to talk Now we have a uh, platform as a service, which is really where the cloud uh, really shines. And the, and the, the major uh, cloud providers are spending a lot, investing a lot to get it so that you just fire up an instance of your of your application or you or something like what you mentioned pat docker you upload your container and then it just it takes care of everything else for you all you have to do is provide it the right environment and now i can hear um you know software people's brains exploding because historically we've had to adjust and kind of micromanage our infrastructure for performance optimization and all that um, is that less of a component of cloud? Is it is it just less important, uh, or is it something that you know maybe we all needed that kind of fine grained control over performance a lot less than we thought, or some combination? Well, the, it's so when we go to the cloud from being on site or on premises, performance it's different now. So what we do when you had a, a server in your local data center, what you do is you'd be like. So raise your hand if you've heard this. My application is slow. And that's like basically what it always is. And so then it's like, all right, now we have to add memory or we have to add a CPU or we have to add faster disk or whatever. So basically what we would do is we would go on and make a hardware upgrade. And so we did, and that's what they call vertical scaling. So you have a server and you just keep making the server more powerful. And you might have a couple of servers that you can distribute the load, but it's a that's a predefined number. So so vertical scaling is like just kind of the opposite of it. It's not scalable, which is I guess ironic. So when you go to the cloud, uh, it is the cloud services are uh, created in a way that provides for horizontal scaling. So let's say we have a website that can do this one thing or that can yeah you know, a little website or whatever it does and you and our website is for a pizza company and today is the super bowl so what's going to happen today is that everybody is going to be ordering pizza through our website because it's a super bowl and they want to have pizza for the super bowl but so our traffic is up 500,000% during this one day so if i had that server on site what I would have to do is have enough capacity so that I can handle Super Bowl traffic either all the time or I would just have a bunch of servers and I would have to sh- shut them down for part of the year 
and have this expensive hardware doing nothing. So in this in the cloud, what we have is something uh, we call it like auto scaling, and you it doesn't have to be auto scaling, but it could be manual scaling. But a lot of times people will say, based on certain criteria, fire up more servers. So we might say now I have a website that can handle 500. Uh, visits per or you know users per second or something like that. Rather than getting a server that can handle twenty five hundred thousand, twenty five million uh, requests per second, what I would do is I say, all right, let's fire up now. We're going to have it so we have twenty of these servers, and based on the traffic, it will just keep firing them up. And when demand goes down, it'll start uh, it'll start decommissioning them. So. And so what happens is you scale so you have a lot of little services rather than a couple of really big services that are overkill. So you you basically only use what you need and then deallocate when you're not. So one of the and, – and that is like – and in software development circles, designing your applications for that, especially if you are on the website, is – it used to be mobile first. I think now they would basically say it's cloud first. It's if you're building any sort of server side software, it's like how do we make it so that this can run on low powered hardware and or a low powered server and many instances, but still maintain your uh, your performance. So in terms of how we build applications, um, that's probably kind of driven us all to, and I think uh, Netflix really pioneered this ground uh, in a really visible way. It's different from to a lot of like what we call microservices, right? Where yep. you have you break your application up into pretty small pieces, and we don't care about some things we used to care about, right? Uh, we used to be very, very militantly against redundancy, uh, and now uh, there seems to be more of a sense that having redundancy between your services is fine if that makes it easier to scale in the cloud. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the and the redundancy is more is is critical now because it, it used to be redundancy because in case the data center went down. Now it's redundancy for scaling purposes. And so here's here's int- something interesting. All right, let's say you and I run a multinational corporation, okay? I mean, obviously we do, but let's pretend what we do. And we have uh, most, and so we have a data center in uh, California and a data center in New York. So what has happened is that you know, and let's just say we are pretty sophisticated, and uh, we have uh, when someone goes to our website or uses our service, it serves data from the appropriate data center. So uh, you might get California if you're in Colorado, or you might get uh, the uh, east. What would I say, like New York or whatever, uh, in if you're in on the east coast somewhere. But let's just say we run our multinational corporation. All of a sudden, gets a big following in uh in africa for instance and now what is happening is we're like oh my god we need to go over to you know kenya and set up a data center so or or find data center space and a good a good connection so that the people who are accessing it from africa aren't traversing the atlantic ocean every single time they access this so and and it might have been totally unexpected and we're so, not saying it, that that wouldn't work, just that it's probably going to be slow and maybe come with some additional cost. Uh, yeah, it will, it, it will be slow and it, it will have additional costs because now we are going to manage infrastructure in, uh, you know, in Kenya. So what the, the way the cloud works and 
Uh, I know that the big providers, so that, you know, the AWS, Azure, uh, Google, I, I don't know about some of the smaller ones. I assume they're the same way is that what they have is uh, they have global regions and they have in with which a global region is basically like a continent or a country. And then they'll have uh, what they would call like availability zones, which are data centers within those regions. And there's you can have automatic uh, synchronization. And if you need to say, I, we have a whole bunch of people in Africa, I'm going to actually make a replica of my services in the Africa region and have it uh, go in there. So now all of a sudden, people are just going to the right one. And to to become a worldwide provider, rather than having to actually send someone over and supervise the installation of servers, blah, blah, blah. All we do is say, fire it up in Africa, fire it up in Europe, fire it up in uh, Asia. And then all of a sudden, you've you've got your uh, stuff there, and everything and content is being delivered, or com- computations are happening close to where they need to be. So things like latency are down, and uh, that type of thing. Okay. So um, one other term that we hear about a lot then is, and I think you've touched on it, but let's let's go into this like specifically is this whole idea of serverless computing. Yep. Right. And, you know, an example of that would be um, kind of your your Alexa tutorial would be, I hope I didn't just wake up a whole bunch of people's devices. <laughs> um, yeah. But, your you know, those tutorials would be, hey, just write all these functions, and the functions are just going to run magically in the cloud, and there's no server. Uh, and that's not quite accurate. I mean, there there has to be a server somewhere, right? Yes. There are, it's just you're, you're basically sharing a ser- – you're sharing – computing resources with other people running on servers but the but the boundary but that's what and think about that being sort of a quintessential cloud concept a cloud is just you ask you you know you ask a question you make a request it does something and it comes back and you don't really care where it happens so you may you know it's your computation may be happening on the same hardware as uh as something Netflix had Netflix has. I, I mean, I doubt it. They probably have dedicated stuff, but you know, but something like that, it's just, you're just where there's capacity. That's where your stuff goes. Uh, and if you've seen a lot of these cloud servers, we talk about serverless, the, the actual clouds, uh, the data centers that they have, oftentimes they'll say, all right, we're going to expand our capacity. And I think it's either Microsoft or Amazon. I can't remember which one does this. I saw a video of it. They basically have, they have a prep center where they put these big shipping containers and that are specially made for their data centers. They fill them with commodity hardware, back a truck up to a bay, they plug in some cables, and they've just fired up all these like little cheap servers are part of their cloud capacity now. So it's all pooled. And that and so your serverless is operating on maybe on one server this second on another server it doesn't matter because they've abstracted it away for you and and so when we talk about server and we and when i mentioned earlier you might fire up your crm instance and databases are database servers are a huge thing for this because database servers are really expensive because you need really good performance sometimes and sometimes you don't so they have serverless databases where all you do is you say it's a this database 
that I have is high performance or low performance. And here's a boat what it's going to be so they can reserve some capacity for you. And then you just talk to the database server and they, they will, uh, or the database instance and the, it runs on as many or few servers as it needs. So, uh, this is sounding like a pretty big topic. So I suspect we're going to have a, another show, um, yes. to, to talk even in more detail. Um, but what you've just talked about, right, your data. So that's, that brings up a whole bunch of big questions. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we can end with that. Um, yeah, definitely. What do we do about security and, you know, how, how do we protect our data when it's just living on, I don't know what machine in, I don't know what continent. Oh, we don't. We secure, we don't have security in the cloud. Oh, okay. It, it's all public. It's just, you just have to know the URL. Something tells me that wouldn't work out so well. <laughs> probably not. Right. So how, right. how have you, no, no, I'm going to preface this with, I'm sure you know, your average bank isn't literally running your banking transactions on the cloud. So there's such thing as like too secure for cloud still. Um, the cloud hasn't replaced 100% of computing, just a whole lot of commodity. You know, a lot of that though is not that it's not possible. It's that companies don't trust it yet it, because it's fairly new. That That's more it because there's a lot of, so there's a lot of certifications that you can get like, even to be able to run data in your own data center, like HIPAA, for instance, if you're medical, there's a, you have to have certain privacy stuff. So HIPAA regulations, um, there's department of defense, ITAR. So you have there, you have to be certified whether you're in the cloud or not. And the cloud is getting certified and a lot of the providers are getting certified and all this stuff. And also if you have, you know, your data is just kind of there. There's uh, if you say you're storing files in the cloud, just, in a you know a file storage service, you can actually turn on encryption so that even if someone gets at your stuff, they can't use it because it's encrypted. Right, and there's probably uh, a couple levels of encryption, right? So there's um, your cloud provider can't read your files, right? Yeah, they, they can manage them and move them around, but they can't read them because they're encrypted. You know, if I'm on Amazon, if I'm on Google, right? Amazon or Google can't read my data. But then additionally inside of my application i've probably done some encryption so that even if you were to hack my application and get my files they wouldn't be meaningful to you without decrypting them yes exactly and, and so you a lot of times you'll say all right it's encrypted and the all the cloud providers have like a key management service so you can actually store your encryption keys in a different spot on the cloud so they technically would have access to it but then there's even for the for the not faint of heart you can keep all of your encryption keys locally or somewhere else that they don't even have them so they wouldn't even be able to decrypt them if they wanted to and the the disadvantage of that is if you lose them or something like that then you have a bunch of encrypted junk on the cloud that you can't do anything with so but what about so one of the things so we're talking about this data and encryption and whatever what about something that you know more about than I do about where your data actually lives, not like physically, where is it? You, you know, where I'm not asking you, where does your data live? But like the question about where your data actually lives. Um, so when it comes to the question about where your data lives, um, that's actually an area that's been in flux lately. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to use this chance to complain about bad reporting. Can I do that? Go for it. Okay. So you may have noticed uh, throughout the month of May in particular, you probably got a flood of emails from every account you've ever created saying, hey, we have a new privacy policy now. Uh, yes. So that's related to a, a law in Europe called GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation. 
And my my gripe with reporting is people kept saying, oh, this came into effect on May 25th. That is not accurate. Uh, they began enforcement on May 25th, or they were allowed to begin enforcement. I haven't heard of an enforcement action yet. Uh, but this has been a law that was about two years in the in the ramp-up phase. Uh, but it's a European law. And the reason it impacted almost everyone is there are a lot of customers in Europe, so almost every multinational company had to do something about it. Um, what the law came down to saying was a lot of stuff, uh, and this is it would be its own show, so just in brief, uh, you have to tell people what you're doing with their data. Uh, and you have to do it in plain text, uh, plain, like, plain language, uh, not legalese, right? Because we all see those 800-page click-through uh, licenses that nobody reads. Uh, you're required to just be very upfront. Hey, I'm collecting your data. I'm going, you know, an example, pretend Netflix does it this way. I don't know what they actually do. Hey, I'm Netflix. I'm going to collect the data about what you watch so that I can make good recommendations of other things for you to watch is the kind of thing you have to do now. Um, but the, the interesting thing that this changed was prior to this regulation, uh, there were there were all kinds of rules like, if you're a U.S. company and you service customers in the EU, but all of the data stays in the U.S. at all times, as far as servers, then you had a different set of rules to operate under, which is kind of silly because computers just don't work that way, right? If, yeah. if my data is on the Internet, it can be anywhere else on the Internet basically instantly. Uh, so those rules are gone now, and now it's been replaced with a much more um, user-centric, at least in Europe, of, hey, if your user is from Europe, you have to treat them a certain way. The U.S. doesn't do that. The U.S., uh, your data probably belongs to whoever provides a service for you, and they can do what they want. So Makes sense. Anyway, that it has a little bit of crossover in that it caused everybody to simultaneously have to change how they act. So how they... So if you are... Uh, so if you... It, it, so it used to be then, like where your data was stored matters, and and uh, and it's funny because there's some other things with like U.S. Department of Defense. Your data cannot live anywhere else. Uh, like if you're if you're building something for a Department of Defense, your data has to physically live in the United States. So there's there's something like that. But for but now what you're saying with the GDPR even though it may all live in the United States and a company may be like, it's ours because it's the United States. If you want to do business in Europe, you have to, uh, you have to basically treat the data in a certain way. Yes. And the reason it really kind of got a lot of attention is the penalties are absolutely amazing. Um, the penalties for failure to comply are 4% of global revenue or millions and millions of dollars, whichever is higher. So it's, it's a law nobody wants to uh, dabble with until we get a much better sense of how it's going to be enforced. Yep. And and obviously, it's, it's probably one of those things where it's because they started the enforcement. And I, I don't know uh, enough about it, but I, you know, there was the whole thing with the Facebook uh, privacy thing a few months ago. I'm assuming that it's not a coincidence that these things sort of coincided with each other. It, it isn't, uh, and the interesting thing is that Facebook is one of the companies that has definitely, uh, they've implemented what they feel they need to for GDPR compliance for EU customers, and they're trying very hard not to implement that for, say, U.S. customers. Interesting. Right, because they, well, they still want free reign with your data so they can sell more valuable ads about you. 
Yeah, there you go. Ads about me. So there's like an ad about uh, about uh, selling me. Yes. You haven't cool. seen it yet? No, I'm sure it's probably not on reputable websites. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, now that we've gotten here, what's what what's our takeaway for today? I think uh, we'll talk more about you know cloud and why you'd use it and why you what you have to worry about later. Um, but we've kind of defined the cloud today and gone through some of the some of the initial big concerns. I, I would say the big takeaway is if anybody. And this is probably, uh, it's up in our notes a little bit, but if you had to take one thing away from this with the cloud, it's imagine your your servers and stuff like that as cattle rather than pets. So we're basically, the cloud is taking something very specific and making it something very general and uh, know that there's a lot more flexibility with it. Okay, and I think we'll we'll stop on that note. Hopefully our, our listeners will have questions, uh, and if not, I, I think we've got uh, the outline of an entire second episode to, to wrap up some of these ideas. That's right. And we'll be offering a $25 a month credit to the Craig and Pat cloud service provider. LLC. For anybody, LLC, PDQ, ESPN. Okay, so <laughs> for, all, for all four of our listeners, that, that's a thing. Wow, will we actually have four listeners? Well, you and I are probably two of them, right? Exactly. All right, good. Uh, To our our two non-Craig and Pat listeners, thank you for listening.